0: Welcome to Banking and Beyond at RBL Bank, a podcast series which will bring you interesting conversations around banking, technology, and financial services. In today's episode, catch Rajiv Ahuja, Executive Director, RBL Bank, in conversation with Vikram Vedanathan, Managing Director, Matrix Partners India, as he walks down the memory lane and takes us through the transformational
1: journey of Ratnakar Bank to RBL Bank. And on discovering fintech religion at the bank, Rajiv, thanks for coming. Um, May we start a little bit with this uh, journey of of you and RBL and uh, discovering fintech religion, as you put it. Thanks a lot for having me and
0: and uh, and the bank here. Uh, yeah, I think. Look, I mean, I'll be upfront that uh, you know, um, two thousand ten when we moved into Ratnakar, we had so many. Uh, Priorities were actually, which were just to modernize the bank ground up in many areas where, uh, you know, things were not even there. So, our emphasis on technology as a big anchor and driver of new businesses was just not even in our realm. Uh, We always have viewed technology as a core support function. I don't think we had this... Um, epiphany that technology could be the way to drive things and and that came about in 2013-14 partly of our own situation where we had started building our branch network retail and just found that actually uh, just following the playbook of the more successful institutions you know of uh, private sector space uh, you know we will not never be able to make a dent something had fundamentally changed and partly our own brand and uh, consistency of product services was yet to be established so this was a like an internal uh, challenge and drive that you know what is really happening and then you see uh, announcements uh, of significant investments by people like yourselves or or global companies in in payment products and services and e-commerce and you just wonder, you know, what's really happening. And my own uh, experience of being—I used to be a tech banker in Alex Brown in Asia—and this was the first dot-com era. And sometimes when you when you've been through that painful process, the aftermath of the dot-com, you tend to disbelieve uh, anything happening around. you. What's uh, similar and what's different? So I I think many elements are similar, and I while I, I think very chastened. Person today having learnt a lot but I do think that some of the dimensions of uh, you know if you build it they will come uh, you know curse of capital which is a phrase I've picked up uh, a couple of years ago uh, are pretty much what you've seen in different parts of the um, new economy landscape and I'm not saying those are not necessary because I do believe that some of that is necessary to create markets but I think you need to just be careful that uh, using business models and, and journeys of countries like U.S. and China, very different starting points, very different, uh, you know, legacy developments which have helped these economies reach scale and valuation is very tough to replicate, um, you know, so as I'm sure you guys talk about, uh, we want to build the Uber of this, we want to build the Wobby Parker of this. Uh, I want to build the, you know, um, you know alipay of this. I, I think that's too simplistic. And I think if I know 98 to 2001, uh, the references were to Lycos, Yahoo, uh, Amazon is the only survivor, Webvan, uh, Pets.com. I mean, these names perhaps you guys may not remember. Yeah. Uh, and then it took seven, eight years for a very different set of people who had Uh, gone through the first dot-com or came from more experienced places, at least in the valley. Uh, And then you build the next generation of businesses starting with Uber, Airbnb and many others which have now become very large private companies still. I think India, you know, we've tried to crash almost like 15, 20 years of history in in three years. It happened in 99 to 2001 in India. Uh, But the interesting thing is... Online consumption and and consumption of modern services has kept growing. I think it's just the business model to what do you build and what you avoid and how do you make money eventually. And that's the other thing I can tell you hasn't changed. Yeah. Uh, if you asked me in 98, 2001, how will you make money, you know, ho jayega. And between 2014 and at least till two, three years ago, uh, you know, You know, first let's build it and therefore you just go and spend money. And sometimes the spending is necessary because you don't know what's going to come about. So uh, I think those are still the same. And I think, uh, and I I do believe that, um, you know, India is a very different market. In fact, if you ask me the thesis for young businesses to come and build scaled up franchises is more interesting in India than in the U.S. and China. Because I think the, the availability and the provision of modern services in every aspect of uh, your day-to-day lives I, I... Is, is non-existent. So take banking. I mean, you know, we've had many banks and still have. But in our eight years of building Ratnakar, we've seen a lot of challenges with the dominant banks in the state-owned sector as well as the private sector. And if I extrapolate the next 10 years, The space for younger businesses. Now, I get a little bit, you know, and you have to pardon because of my age, I get a little bit challenged when people just talk fintech. I don't like the word fintech. I like the philosophy of fintech. But let's build financial services companies. I mean, that's the... But the space for financial services companies is enormous. I mean, you think about the entire small medium enterprises. I think you guys have some... Very exciting businesses. Again, we're lucky to be bankers to them. You think about merchants where you have M-Swipe and, you know, we we bank them and and those markets are so underserved by the large institutions. And how many large institutions do you have in the country, in the banking space? On one hand. And we are probably on the third hand by size. Uh, NBFCs, you know, every two, three years it becomes a four-letter word. Uh, I think NBFCs are marvellous companies because they bring focus, they bring, uh, you know, access to capital and services for customers who are not yet in the scale
1: zone of large banks. But I want to go back to your original thread on, you know, how you discovered fintech okay. religion. And I know that you spent a lot of time yeah. uh, thinking through the, your strategy, learning from everyone else.
0: So, thanks for bringing me back to that, Vikram. <laughs> But 2013, 14, we had this challenge internally and there was something happening outside. And, and we had a couple of members on the, our board who were who are very, very deeply engaged in the tech space. And I have a lot of friends from my earlier journey of uh, actually being a tech banker and running a small tech VC fund. I mean, tech is a little overdone word there. Um, and I reached out to them and we were prodded along the way saying, guys, just see what's happening around you. Uh, Don't do anything heroic, but just go and learn. And it took us about 6 to 12 months of almost, uh, you know, two days every day in Bangalore, just meeting VCs and meeting startups and just hearing things out as to what were these guys trying to do and what was the big agenda they had and, you know, what were the challenges they were seeing. And I think that started giving us some uh, pieces of a picture which was forming. Um, And I, I will probably bring uh, the kind of epiphany we had then to entirely being open to influences, serendipity and a lot of miles and and I think that gave us some insights that, you know, forget the business model, there is a real change in the way customers will approach financial services. Businesses will approach financial services. Some of that will be slow, some of that will be quick and some of that will need a huge amount of momentum of money, large companies, and some of that will slow, be, be slow and steady. I don't think we got it right the first time. But this ability to actually listen to people, absorb, mull it over, and it was damn confusing to me actually. Uh, and then we were lucky because we had, as a bank built out our technology in 2012-13, so we had no what you guys call the the legacy technology debt and we bought in a very, very interesting middleware platform which you know if you ask me I I figured out what an API was finally in the tech world. (laughs) I knew what an API was in the chemical and pharmaceutical world and our tech team said look this is the way the world is going to do business and then you know what does an API mean on your mobile app and that was the easiest thing to understand. And we figured out that actually what's happening in the consumer world will ultimately happen in the small business and the large business world. It's a matter of time. So we started peddling our API, very simple API, uh, you know, engines and put it on the developer platform and that brought us a lot of insight. So this was, um, to me, you know, evangelizing internally as well as learning externally. And then when we caught on to it and obviously, you know, you read a lot, you talk a lot, a lot of consultants come and share with you. And then you assimilate. Some make it out of your own. And then you start implementing testing. So, we learned also at the same time the, the learn, test, experiment,
1: you know, uh, go back. People often ask me, is and and FinTech making a dent? And, you know, the biggest thing is that bankers are not talking APIs. Yeah. (laughs) So, Fintech has definitely made a dent. So, (laughs) you you know, this is very humorous because, you know, in
0: 2014, and I had taken a, I mean, I had taken a script with me from my tech guy and I had taken a diagram of what APIs really are. And I would taken, you know, because when you sit with some of these VCs and and young companies, I mean, and you are like a fuddy-duddy banker in a suit, you know, if you drop some of these things, then suddenly... (laughs) <laughs> eyes light up, you know. So, I actually started learning this and the good news is I never went too techy because I would have lost the, the conceptual plot. But it took us a while to convince our own people. So, one of the things we started doing in 2014, whatever we are assimilating, we were getting people into to talk to our teams, uh, our senior management, our, our business teams, our product teams, risk teams. And we said, look, We'll struggle to understand this, but let's start grappling with it because this is going to be a big driver of our future. Uh, I think we were a little bit perturbed because of the enormous money the larger players were pumping into the market and, and there was this neighbor's envy, you know, you know. Why is this guy able to do and you're a young bank and we were being cajoled and coaxed to set up uh, you know, a digital first institution and we didn't have the money to spend. Our cap structures were not conducive to lose money to create a market. But we said let's keep learning because, you know, one of the things you do recognize, having spent 30 odd years in conventional organizations, that business models and strategy and what you intend doing is really a very long-term game and India is not going to be, you know, make it big and quick and keep it sustained uh, kind of market. So we said even if we are number 10, number 12, Let's assimilate and learn because we don't have that money to spend. Uh, and there was this, there was this gut le- level conviction that some of this will go horribly wrong. And we don't want to be there, uh, you know, picking up uh, the change which is left from our massive investment. We were investing a lot in conventional things. And I think we started reordering our entire business around tech being a core anchor. So one of the great learnings to me is not about whether we built a fancy new app or wallet, you know, we didn't, we couldn't afford it. But we started looking at tech as reordering our factors of production. So if you look at the factors of production, you know, capital, labor, management, etc., we said tech has to be a larger factor of production. And in some senses, when you talk fin and tech, I think in financial services of last two, three years, and the next 15, 20 years, tech is going to play a major role in how you optimize your consumer or business connect, your cost of delivery, your risk management. And sometimes, you know, because this is now a very connected world, you can build financial services business in deep partnerships, which, by the way, is a learning and a philosophy we kept from day one that we're a young bank uh, aspiring to be in the same bracket as the top 7, 10 banks. We're never going to get there on our own. Let's partner with people who are equally hungry. And this partnership mindset has carried us to me more than technology to this day. And I do believe that, uh, you know, consumers and businesses are getting more empowered, which will help us connect. So our credit card franchise, our our merchant franchise, which you are very well aware of, is totally anchored around partners. We are so comfortable working with them and more importantly we respect these partners
1: so i want to double click on that because how do you uh, balance this partnership and an almost experimentation mindset of you know spawning some of these new business model new go to market strategies with running a bank which is yeah. man- essentially managing risk yeah so so somewhere i think you know uh,
0: let me be honest we had a we have had a great management team and second line third line from day one that's been our Aspiration, governance, management, capital are three things which frankly whether you're a fintech or a, you know, 20 year old bank will count. So we built enough management so I could spend my own time thinking about these things and then rapidly we wanted our entire team to get evangelized. So today I'd say if you work in RBL and you don't have a concept of uh, technology, customer centricity, design in some element, I'm not saying we're there you perhaps don't have a future to work in RBL. Um, I think at the Mancom, at our extended leadership, technology is uh, in the same sentence as risk management. And it's not about technology being, uh, you know, having an you know, altar where you keep worshipping it, it every day, but it's a big part of how you will build your business, as I mentioned, build scale economies, not in a conventional manner, uh, straight through processing, Risk management, actually we use more technology in risk management than we do in the consumer experience side. So, it took us time and then suddenly what happens is when you, you know, it's almost like, you know, you you build a little snowball and then keeps accumulating, keeps accumulating and then there are external influences and I have to credit uh, Nandan Nilikani for his WhatsApp moment in banking video which frankly, you know, and, and we had been, you know, seeing the Aadhar journey, in fact, a big part of our business, financial inclusion, was anchored around Aadhar, even though Aadhar had just started. Uh, that set the, the ball rolling and then one after the other, you know, then you almost now are, are part of the religion. But I, I do believe that what we've tried to be is being um, a questioner, uh, a kind of, a, not a disbeliever, but always questioning why will this work, why won't this work and ensuring that it doesn't, you know, become debilitating for us from a risk management and capital structure perspective. So,
1: you know, part of uh, our business model as venture capitalists to go very early and uh, work with founders. But some of these things might not work. But that's built into our business model. But some of these things might not work is not built into your business model. Yeah. So, <laughs> how do you... so,
0: so, sometimes, you know, it's fortunate that your construct of being a bank and showing positive ROA... Uh, leads you to be very frugal in some of these things. I mean, we've made some big time errors on credit and, you know, which is, I mean, they're big time for us. They may not be big time relative to the market. But, uh, so let me share with you a business we started in early 11. And it's a business which no private bank took up, uh, was microfinance. And there were many microfinance entities there. And we felt, and pretty much that if you take a 10-year view, what are the trends, increasing mobility, at all levels. Increasing infrastructure, power, roads, you know, transportation, aspiration, knowledge, Uh, you know, what happened in the housing market starting the mid-90s because you had, and I love this phrase of uh, the late Dhirubhai Ambani, in India, supply creates demand. So, we said, look, you know, all these things and then Aadhaar was announced in 2009. We said, like, in a 10-year journey, all of these will converge and, you know, what you guys call the the, I love this phrase, combinatorial, exp- exponential, et cetera, et cetera. Everything is converging. Okay, so we said, yeah, in 10 years everything is converging and we don't know what we will play, but let's start small. So we started very tiny and we used our existing branch network in Kola to test to test financial inclusion out. So we went, now I know what the word to say is pivot. So, we pivoted our model twice. we have really… No, no. So, <laughs> really sometimes it's easy to explain up. these things, you in know, because limo. you guys have some uh, interesting phraseology. Yeah. Uh, which helps us, uh, you know, digest yeah, so you, our experiences so too. Yes, to, so the large you, bank pivoting. Yeah. yeah. No, we pivoted in that business Ellen. Yeah. I, I can tell you that we've pivoted again post demonetization. I mean, we are on a large base, but we experimented for three years. And we said we will only have a net cost of, let's say, a few crores every year. Okay. Uh, but we'll figure out. Because we were afraid that some of our assumptions on ramp-up and the credit environment and our regulations will not pan out as much as we'd like. And there I want to suggest a word of caution for some of the fintechs who actually have uh, played to a playbook of, you know, unfettered rights to do business in India and financial services. I think the the cost of regulation and the increasing compliance requirements have not been factored into the speed, scale and the quality of teams. And I think that will slow down many people. As you've seen in the payment space and the merchant space through the debit card, I think a lot of that will come in the NBFC space down the road. But back to where we were. So we said we'll only spend this much because we can't afford it. And the learnings of those two and a half years, by the way, today we talk about 200, 300 crores a month. It took us two and a half years to reach 100 crores of portfolio. Okay, Uh, other banks, other MFIs were at 1,000, 1,500. And you know what we did? We lent money to MFIs and they were hungry for capital. They were happy to explain to us how this worked and, you know, it was great for both of us. And then when it scaled, started showing promise, then we scaled it up. And Demon... Was a big dent and a business model change was warranted because your customers were more aware so interestingly in a seven-year journey i'd say we built a successful profitable still growing at 45 50 percent with a potential market leading position which you'd love to invest at eight times price
1: to book thanks so much for taking us through, through that journey of uh, the internal workings of rbl and- through pivots and through discovering tech as core uh, and becoming really a fintech partner. I want to go to, to this uh, debate that we've had. Is fintech more fin than tech? Uh, you mentioned it's more, it's just financial services. Everybody's yeah. going to be doing about the same things. And I want to put some biases on the table. For me, uh, so far, I prefer working with people who are more fin, uh, at least in terms of a mindset. They might be coming from uh, the tech world, but understand risk, understand collections, understand balance sheets, are thinking about building th- both businesses as well as teams incorporating the financial services ethos yeah. into their company. Yeah. How, when you guys evaluate partners, how do you think about it? What is yeah. advice for fintech founders now?
0: Yeah. So I 100% agree with you uh, that. And I think as I mentioned early that, you know, India is a very interesting market that the revenue width of uh, most businesses is very narrow. You need to add many more services to make that relevant. And sometimes your, uh, the steroid of excess capital can lead you astray. Okay. Uh, what you need to do is think of, a, in my view, a very simplistic. I mean, we, we had a 10-15 year vision when we started with Ratnakar. Uh, because we said, in 10-15 years, we can build a bank but we can't build a bank in three, five years. So if you give yourselves enough time, okay, and that's where people like you as early stage investors also have to reconcile your investing cycles with business building cycles. And I'm not saying, you know, you guys are not doing a great job and many people like yourselves are doing a very good job. But I do think that especially when you're focused on financial services, which in my view in a country like India will always have this uh, umbrella or or the rigor requirements or the compliance requirements and they will keep becoming tougher uh, because we are not a country with for 50 years of a fantastic financial services system or a quasi-oligopoly like China which was mandated, okay. You know, you have smart private sector banks and you have a very, very, very watchful regulator. So, I think if you incorporate that in your DNA on day one, you uh, and you see that this is a 10-year business and I'm actually of a very, very firm opinion that you'll see some fabulous businesses being built, hopefully in some of the companies you've invested in, in financial services, because at a deep down, our structure of suppliers is very challenged. I mean, the reason we are successful, even partially as RBL, is because you don't have 20 banks like HDFC or Kotak's around. If you had them, we may not have been as successful. And if you go back 25 years, the start of HDFC, AXIS, ICICI, the reason they're successful with such a short lineage versus many old private sector banks, you know, which have had 80, 90, 100 years, is because the system had many, many gaps. And they were smart about it. So, just to let you know, uh, the first set of private sector banks actually used tech to connect their branches called a core banking system, which is really now, you know, table stakes. I mean, every bank became a core banking by early 2000s, but they started. And then net banking was in early 2000s, then mobile app was in 2010. So banking has had its tech moments too, but everybody gets it eventually. I mean, because of technology. So I I do think that if you build it and you imagine it backwards, where would you be 10 years from now? What is the business construct you have, how many people you need to be. And one of the things I do believe which has changed between, let's say, before the time we came in, uh, into Ratnakar and now, is that obviously consumption through mobile phones, data, analytics, are playing a larger role than they did ever in a financial services world. It has two implications, actually three. One is your ability to acquire customers, sustain them, see their behavior much like what you do in consumer tech consumer services it becomes interesting and relevant second your cost of processing because if the customer self-selects and self-services your cost of operations drop dramatically and you know we we were using Aadhaar to build out a savings account base our cost dropped by 70 80 percent which means i can afford a lot more average savings accounts than I can afford on a branch. And there's a bigger story behind it. We'll talk some other day. But the third element is risk management. So, today when I see FinTech lenders, okay, just relying on data, nothing wrong in that. And you you should have that as a centerpiece of your thinking because data availability in five years time will be a lot more. GST is, is you know, coming along. There'll be more coverage under GST, but is GST the only way or is it Necessary and sufficient? No, you'll still need people. If you're lending large sums of money, if you're lending small sums of money, even then, because I think I think consumer behavior, business behavior changes with the availability of capital. At least that's the first round of reflexivity. So if you plot a ten-year map, <coughs> I think you have a you have an S curve on ease of doing business. You have an S curve on data. You have an S curve on Consumers changing and sometimes I do believe that uh, you should let the optionality in the environment uh, help you rather than you trying to create the, the uh, pushing forth the scale of change of habits. I mean, and I think that's relevant in the financial services business because when people want to entrust their money to you or their investments to you, even at some stage borrowings, because, you know, when you borrow money, if you're not around after 90 days or one, or one year, you know, guess what, I won't treat you as a customer and your cost of keeping that customer on your network or platform is back to where it was. So, consumers, small value payments for taxis and swiggy and all, you know, you do a transaction, you forget about it. Okay, you don't really bother about it and those have been induced through, you know. So, 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 firmly on
1: risk collections. Uh, and critical. compliance, compliance. Let's jump to this debate on data and how useful it is. We used to hear these pitches maybe a couple of years back, which said, we're going to underwrite based on alternate data or proprietary data because data wasn't available. And then over a period of time, we've come to this conclusion that actually what really works is that you have to do PDs, like you said, and you need people on the ground. And uh, you, there is no substitute for actual income data to do income estimation. Whether you get it from a bank statement analysis, expense analysis, but some way to really get an income estimation. Yeah. And there's no way to get around the uh, how do I get to ability to pay and intent to pay without doing some of these things that the traditional lenders were doing. You can do it at a lower cost, but you still have to do those steps. So, so I'll give you an interesting data point. When
0: we started our journey of looking at these companies, we probably met with 150 plus, not I, but my colleagues, FinTech lenders who wanted to, you know, build it with yep. data and tech. And actually, if you ask them the third question on the data model or the or the algorithm, uh, I don't think there was any difference between any, these 150 people, okay. Because technology is the simplest thing to copy, to borrow, to build. I mean, I, I'm oversimplifying it, yep. okay. But, and we felt, you know what, uh, how many of them have understood lending uh, at its core, and as a cultural construct, not just as a transactional construct. So one of the things we've learned because we've been doing banking is that there are waves and waves of credit cycles and you just need to have a sense on when to rein in and when to let, you know, add more. And if you haven't done that, data can lead you astray. Okay. so simplistically, you know, how does prepaid data or uh, Uber you know, and food data tell you about the creditworthiness of a customer. It tells you their spending habits. Yeah, there's a, there's a credit bureau, there's a salary, but you know what? If you're lending a few thousand rupees, perhaps you can take a call and you're lending at very high interest rates, which in India is also a challenge. Because we have no societal acceptance of very high lending rates from formal institutions. Yep. From formal institutions, you know, you need to be just about right. Okay. And when you look at China and US, the cost of funding is X and the you know, lending rates are like 10x. And, and even if you don't do collections, you'll make a decent amount of money, at least. The so I'm,
1: I'm not sure I fully agree on, on that one. You know, we have, uh, we have companies which uh, help banks working through data and, yeah. and, and so on. And we are realizing that there are different pockets yeah. where you can discover data. Sure. Yeah? Because suddenly data has become a commodity, it's ubiquitous. And you have access, if you can make sense of it, you can get to, in different buckets, 60%, 80%, 90% confidence that you can get to income estimation. Uh,
0: I'm not not disputing that. We use a lot of analytics and data, by the way. I mean, in our cards business, personal loan business, even our SME lending and our early warning system is very data oriented. But I just want to be very careful that if you believe… Uh, that this is an engine which will give you a yes, no, what to do. Okay. Uh, that's my worry because, and which is why I was saying that when you set up a company, you know, you can start with data as the core, but you need to add the other elements which have actually v- very different speeds and scale. Yeah, completely and agree. where, so it's a question of, you know, how much do you overbelieve believe data? Yeah. And, and I do think we are at very, very early days of a credit cycle going bad because of high consumption-led, you know, finance and the proliferation of providers, including people like us, who now believe, you know, static data of yesterday is good enough to lend tomorrow. Uh, You know, the 2005, 6, 7 problems in consumer finance in India were at a simplistic level, oh, you've taken a loan from Bank A. There was no bureau then. You'll be good enough for Bank B and good enough for Bank C. And you know, guess what? It became a self fulfilling prophecy, you know, round, much like the mortgage crisis, because it was pro cyclical. I don't know if we have seen all the elements play out totally, okay? And, and we should see this happen. So, we are of the view that everybody will go through a tough phase in credit, okay? It's a question of how you've balanced your, your thinking around it and how you pace yourself. And obviously, if you're lending larger sums of money, you know what happens is when you have just an app and again I'm being old-fashioned here, if you make the guy sign there is a certain eye contact, a moral suasion, you know, you've yep. got the guy and the guy knows that you're a serious guy. Now, it doesn't make sense for a 10-20,000 rupee loan and yep. you'll say why the hell do I need to do that, my cost of acquisition is high. But the moment you start lending to businesses, you know, to, to, to things and look… We don't think India is, is, uh, you know, the huge markets are there. It's a question of how you want to shape your company's capabilities. And to us, data and technology are critical. But if it's just that, then it becomes, in my view,
1: a challenge. Uh, I I think I completely agree with you on on being data-centric but not being data-only. Uh, and building all of the different operating elements. Yeah, and uh, challenge the, the data business. because you know, w-
0: to me, uh, you know, credit cycles can just change the yeah. what data
1: tells you. You see. Yeah. Uh, Rajiv, uh, thank you again. Uh, any closing thoughts and comments? Thanks for so much for yeah. uh, agreeing to be part of it and your time.
0: No, so thanks, Vikram, and and like I said, you know, for us uh, these. Uh, these conversations have been uh, material to our journey and uh, so one thing I'm very sure of that uh, you know when we go back we have a few more things to chat with and and I think as long as we're all working towards because I just don't think it's a zero sum game. You know it's, it's, a, it's we have to create access to newer services so and India is going to have a tremendous inflection curve. I just I'm a Because of more experience, I'm a little conservative, but I think if people can actually drill down and work at it, uh, you know, we have a lovely phrase internally, which is also borrowed, high tech and high touch. So many financial services businesses need both of them. And if you can marry both, which is what we would love to do, I think you improve your chances of succeeding at scale. And some of the companies we work with in your portfolio and others, uh, I will give them you know a high mark for uh, thinking around these lines. You know, obviously, there's a lot of work still to be done, but uh, and you'll find that they'll create businesses which no bank would have thought of because for many banks, uh, unfortunately, it's about a chase of aggregates. It's not a it's not a consumer centricity or conversation. We chase aggregates, we chase averages. And then when you become big uh, you become a little arrogant which all banks do Uh, and then it starts a very slow process in india that slow process can be a decade in other markets can be very rapid Uh, but we should not be uh, complacent as a bank into thinking that uh, born yesterday uh, we have the benefit of 25 years of brand and legacy which is why we keep uh, you know frustrating ourselves so that we can stay alive longer.
1: Thanks, Rajiv, for the time and the candid conversation. Lots to learn from and some views that we subscribe to as well. I'm recapping some of these here. First, uh, banks are fintech, uh, probably more fintech than we give them credit for. Great to see the introspection and the learning mindset uh, and frankly the openness to contra views. Second, um, high-tech, high-touch or digital which is physical and digital is the way to scale uh, in especially given the indian context third uh, be data centric but don't be data only question the data and build to solve the open risk that the data shows you third uh, be data centric but not data only question the data and build operations to solve the open risk four If you're a bank, evangelize tech, and if you're tech first, build risk, operations, compliance, and imbibe that mindset in each and every person who's part of your company. Finally, uh, it's a 10-year journey, expect cycles. Your resilience to these cycles will define how large you become. Here's wishing us, uh, all of us in the FinTech ecosystem, luck to be resilient through all of these cycles. Thanks again for joining us, Rajiv, and good luck to all of us in the fintech ecosystem and happy resilience.